Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. The United States of America recently made history. And it may be in an area that you didn't even realize. For the first time since the United States began keeping track of this statistic in 1976, currently more than half of the adults living in America are single. It's now in America 50.2% of the adults in our nation are single. And if you live in Las Vegas, like most of us do, then you're even above average. Las Vegas, 52% of the adults who live in our city are single. And the reason I share that with you is that today, if we are a representative cross-section of our city and our nation, it means that more than half of the people sitting in this room that are adults are living in a season of singleness. And it means that even if you are not single, you are more than likely connected to in a relational way, either in your immediate family, close friend, co-worker, neighbor, someone who is living in a season of singleness. So you're either here today and you're single or you have influence and relational equity in the life of someone who is single. So today, we are going to look at what God's Word has to say about the joy of singleness. If you are visiting with us today, we began a series a few weeks ago called Love Life, and we subtitled it God's Perspective on Marriage, Dating, and Singleness. And we've taken these relational areas of our lives and are seeking to find out what does God's Word have to say about these seasons of our lives and how do we apply Scripture to those seasons. So if you're here today and you are single, I want to challenge you today to listen to God's Word and seek to, to, to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to grab a hold of these truths and apply them into your life in a biblical way. If you're here today and you're not single, but you have relationships with people who are, I want to challenge you to lean into these biblical truths because we that aren't single have a responsibility and a calling to walk alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ who are single, just like they have a responsibility and calling to walk beside us who are married and speak into one another's lives. And we need to be careful and cautious that when we do this, we're speaking from a biblical worldview. And I think often we make a mistake inside the church in addressing the area of singleness, we don't approach it from a biblical worldview. We let culture often shape our understanding 
and our thinking. So I've given us so far in this series two big ideas that I want to kind of review as we begin this morning. Here's the first one. I want to put it back up on the screen, and I want us to all read it out loud together. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Before love in my life can ever be right, Jesus must be the love of my life. That's week one. If you missed week one, I challenge you to go back online and catch up because all the other relationships in our life find their place after our love relationship with God. You and I were made to know him and to love him and to find our wholeness and our being in him. And all other relationships find their place after that relationship. And I'll just be real transparent. There is no greater truth for you to grab a hold of today if you're a single if you are living in a season of singleness, it is, it is your pursuit of Jesus that will cause all other relationships to fall into place after that. Then we looked at a second truth last weekend. I want to put this one up here. God's amazing grace brings beauty out of brokenness. And here's what I mean by that. We understand that as we're looking in God's word, God's given us a design in his word. But sin has entered the world, and the result of sin is much relational brokenness. And so what we're trying to do as, as followers of Jesus is bring our lives as best we can into conformity with the biblical principles of God's Word, understanding that we're all coming from different aspects of brokenness, and we all need the grace of God. But here's the truth. God's amazing grace can bring beauty even out of our relational brokenness. So no matter where you are on the spectrum, there is hope in Jesus. Amen? So with that, let's talk about the joy of singleness. And before I jump into it, let me just go ahead and tell you that I have struggled more in preparing this week's message than I think I ever have in 27 years of preaching God's Word. This has been a week for me where I have had many nights where God woke me up and I was up till 12 or 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning and I've had mornings where he woke me up at 3.30 in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning just wrestling over the truths of this passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at here in just a moment. And I, I've even said, Lord, why am I struggling so much with this? And I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, this today is the first time I have ever preached on the subject of singleness. And, and in reality, for me, I thought about my own Christian journey. I'm 45 years old. I've been a follower of Christ since I was in college. I've been in church since the day I was born. I don't ever remember personally ever hearing anybody preach on this subject. Now, I know there have been because I've found some online, different people speaking and writing on this subject, but it's just something for whatever reason that the church often doesn't really speak enough into. And here's the second reason I think I've really struggled, because I've lived with the weight of that statistic, knowing that over half the people that are here are living in this season of singleness, and I have a burden to want to be able to bring biblical instruction in a way that is shepherding to your soul. And I realize that there's a lot of emotion often tied into this particular season of life. And so I've prayed that the Spirit of God would just, just fill me with His grace as I speak truth today. So with that, I want you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we're going to read 
what one of the most famous single people in the Bible wrote about singleness. You know, there are single people in the Bible. Amen? We're going to read one of them today. His name is Paul. Pretty important character in the Bible. Amen? I mean, he did write two-thirds of the books of the New Testament. He did take three missionary journeys that expanded the kingdom of God in the first century. And we all are reaping the benefits of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was single. Some people believe that Paul had been married earlier in life and that he was no longer married. But I don't find any biblical evidence for that. I believe Paul was single, came to Christ and lived a life as a single adult. And he's writing today from this position of singleness. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, look at verse 7. Listen to what he says. Yet I wish that all men... Now the word men here is not the word that is specific to males or manhood. It's a word that means people or human beings. I wish that all people were even as myself as I myself am. Now remember, Paul's writing here is a single. And Paul says, I wish everybody could be like I am. However, each man, each person has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I am. Skip down to verse 32. He said, but I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The the woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord so that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. So what I want to do out of these verses is I want to share with you three biblical realities concerning singleness. Now, we're going to say a lot under each of these three. These are big headings, but, but I want to give you three kind of big hooks that we can hang everything else on that we're going to talk about. And as I share these three with you, let me go ahead and, and give you some, some information up front. The first two of these three, you're going to hear them and be like, huh? Because some of what God's word has to say about singleness is so counter to the culture that we live in. That you're going to hear these things and it's going to sound a little bit like fingernails on a chalkboard. Like, I don't think you said that just right. But I'm telling you, it's what the word of God says. Now, when we get to the third one, everybody in the room is going to go, yep, I get that one. But, but the first two, you're going to be like, I don't know, but just bear with me, okay? I want you to hear me all the way to the end uh, before you bring judgment on what I want to say to you today. So here's point number one. Singleness is desirable. Everybody all right so far? I know you hear that and Sounds pretty countercultural. 
Not a single person in the room today maybe came in thinking this, but there may be some married people in the room thinking this, but, but there's no single people necessarily thinking this today. The word desirable is a word defined in the English dictionary as something worth having because it is useful or beneficial. Singleness is desirable. And that's interesting because most of our culture, and listen, even most of the church would not use the word desirable. They would, most people would say, you know, singleness is something you need to try to escape, to do the best you can to get out of this. They wouldn't say it's something that you're supposed to desire. And yet God's word speaks in the exact opposite of that. And God's word says it's something to be desired. It's worth having because of its use and its benefit in life. Paul uses a couple of interesting words here. In verse 7, Paul opens and he says, Yet I wish that all people were even as I myself am. The word wish is not Paul blowing out candles on a birthday cake. It's a word that literally means to desire, to want strongly. And listen, Paul's writing himself as someone who's living out singleness. And Paul says, man, I desire, I wish that every single person could see it the way that I see it and embrace this. The second word he uses is the word good. In verse 7, he said, however, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Verse 8, but I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain in this manner. The word good here, again, interesting word in the Greek language. It means useful, profitable, better, or get this, best. Paul is saying that if you are single, you are in the best possible position to pursue Jesus and his mission. Wait a minute. What did you just say? I didn't say it. Paul said it. He said, if you are single, you're in the best possible position to pursue Jesus and his mission. You say, how, how can that be so? I mean, the church, we, we put so much emphasis on marriage and family. And listen, rightly so, God's given us those things as a gift as well. And there's a, a right perspective to view married life and living as a family on mission. But here Paul says, if you're really going to pursue Christ and his mission, there is no better season for you to do that than when you are single. You say, how's that possible? Well, there's a phrase that Paul uses at the end of what he's writing here that I just couldn't get away from. It's at the end of verse 35, and here's the phrase, undistracted devotion to the Lord. Paul describes singleness as a season of undistracted devotion to the Lord. The word undistracted means what you think it means, without distraction, without having one's attention drawn away by the cares of earthly things. And then he balances that negative, don't, don't, be, don't, don't have your mind carried away with this positive word, devotion, which means constantly attending to. And this word devotion, it was the picture to describe a servant who only had one job. 
And that job was to stay beside the master. And whatever the master said, whatever the master needed, that servant would immediately move in response to the will and the want of the master. Paul says, as a a single follower of Jesus, you have the opportunity to live without as much distraction and solely pursue Jesus and his mission. So here's the point. Let me give it to you in a statement. Look at this. Singleness is the only season in life when you have the opportunity to give undivided attention to Jesus and his mission. And don't miss this word, opportunity. Doesn't mean that all followers of Jesus who are single live this out, but all followers of Jesus who are single have an opportunity to give undivided attention to Jesus and his mission. Let me read you these words of Paul from a different translation of the Scripture. It's called The Message. It's actually a paraphrase of the Scripture by a man named Eugene Peterson. Listen to what, I'm going to put it on the screen. Listen to what Paul said. I want you to live as free of complications as possible. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the Master. Marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life. And in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend on becoming whole and holy instruments of God. The point that Paul is making here is, let's be honest, marriage has been romanticized by films and television to make it not really real. Amen? Because the bottom line is this, marriage is work. Any married people in the room say amen to that? It's hard work. You don't wake up every day like they wake up on TV and just roll over. No, you wake up with morning breath, right? It's not what it looks like on TV. Marriage is work. Marriage involves a huge investment of time. But what Paul is saying is as a single person, You don't have that distraction. Not distraction in a negative sense. It's a a care and a worry of life that you don't have the burden and the season to, to worry about. Paul says you can be holy. It's a word that means to be set apart. You're uniquely set apart during a season of singleness to pursue Jesus and his mission. Let me give you three areas where you can apply this. Three areas where your devotion can be undistracted. One is in the area of intimacy with God. I call it enjoying the presence of Jesus. You have an opportunity as a single person to have undistracted devotion in your intimacy with the Father. Jesus modeled this. Let me show you a verse out of Mark 1.35. Look at it. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. We've read that a bunch of times before here at Hope. Amen? But here's something we've never pointed out about this verse. You know why Jesus was able to get up and leave the house and go spend time with the Father? One of the practical realities is he was single. There's another pretty significant single character in the Bible. Amen? Jesus was single. You know how I know that? Because if he wasn't, you just can't get up and leave the house. 
There's household responsibilities that you have to tend to. There's people that you have to make sure getting up on time. There's people that you have to make sure have what. There's other. You can't just think about yourself. You have to think about the other people in the household. Jesus didn't have to worry about that. He can get up and go be alone. It allowed him an undistracted devotion to the Father. Now, I'm not saying here that singles have no distractions when it comes to intimacy with Jesus. You do. What I am saying is that most of those distractions are self-inflicted. They're brought into our lives. We all have responsibilities that biblically we have to carry out. But then there are all these other distractions that we welcome into our lives that are not a part of our biblical responsibility, but they're just things that we've allowed to creep in and take over. So intimacy with God, that's the first one. Here's the second one, community. Undistracted devotion as it pertains to community. Community is doing life with the family of Jesus. There are over 41 another's in the New Testament describing the way we are to relate as brothers and sisters in Christ. For example, love one another, serve one another, be hospitable to one another, honor one another. All of these one another's describe our relationships to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And at no time, get this, at no time in your life Will you have more time to invest in God's family than when you are single? Singleness should be a season of pouring into your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love what John Piper said. Look at this quote. John Piper said, relationships based on marriage and family are temporary. Relationships based on union with Christ are eternal. You see, when you grab a hold of the season of singleness and you use it as an opportunity to pour into others inside the body of Christ, you are investing in relationships that you are going to enjoy for all eternity. Here's a third area, mission. Intimacy with God, community with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and then mission. What is mission? It's joining in the kingdom activity of Jesus. Paul opens this text by saying, I wish all people were as I myself am. Well, what was Paul? He was single. And as we're reading 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians on his third missionary journey. Here's what that means. For eight of the last 12 years of Paul's life before reading this verse, before writing this verse, for eight of the last 12 years, Paul had spent his life in transit, joining in God's global mission. Most of the time, he spent on a ship getting from one place to another place. For months at a time, Paul would be traveling. For months at a time, he would be sacrificing time away from his home. Paul, at times, was shipwrecked meaning that a ship ran up on the shore because of a storm and he was abandoned there for weeks or months at a time. At times, Paul was imprisoned. At times, Paul was beaten. At times, he was persecuted. At times, he was attacked. Here's the point. Paul lived his life with a reckless abandon concerning the mission of God that he could not have done and been faithful to honor God's word as a husband and a father first. If he hadn't been single. But because Paul was single, he didn't have to worry about providing. Because Paul was single, he didn't have to worry about nurturing children. He could just live his life with a reckless abandon. So so here's a question. Here's a thought for all the single people in the room. What if God is allowing you this season of singleness for the sake of his mission? 
What if God is inviting you to live with some reckless abandon concerning the mission of God? What if you give a month or six months or a year or two years? What if you're a college student? And in this season of singleness as a college student, you decide to go study in another foreign country for a year where you're still getting your education, but at the same time, you're relocating to a global city, joining in God's activity of reproducing the church because you've got a season, a window now in your life when you can live that way. You hear these three things? Intimacy, community, mission. If you've been a Round hope for any length of time at all, that ought to sound a little bit familiar. Abide, connect, share. Here's the point being single allows you the opportunity to live the life of a Jesus follower like no other season in your life. So here's a little bit of a paradigm shift today if you're single don't think that the greatest joy of singleness is escaping singleness the greatest joy of singleness is that God's given you a season where you with reckless abandon can pursue living out the life of a Jesus follower like you'll never get this opportunity again to have in your But now I want to take a time out, all right? And when you see this happen in a ballgame, what does that mean? Time out, right? So I'm going to take a time out right here. And this is by design. It's it's on purpose. I want to take a time out in the message, and I want to insert something. And here's what I want to talk about. I realize that these principles that I'm sharing from God's Word this morning don't perfectly apply to some of you who are single. And here's what I mean by that. I told you earlier, and I want to put the diagram back up from last week, that God has a design for us relationally. But sin entered the world, and sin brought, what's his word? Brokenness, right? And we see a lot of relational brokenness in the world. Sometimes it's a direct result of our own sin, but sometimes it's not our own sin at all. Sometimes it's the sin of others that brings relational brokenness into our lives. And what that's done (laughs) is it's begun to distort God's design and leave us with all these things that we talked about last week. And so because of that, there are some of you that have experienced relational brokenness and you're single, but you're not living with undistracted devotion. You're single and you're parenting. You're single and you're raising children. And here's what I want you to hear me say. I recognize today that if that's the situation that you find yourself in this morning, you're not living with undistracted devotion. You are living with more distracted devotion. Because by God's design, children were to be raised with a husband and a wife. But there's some of you here today that are single fathers. Some are single mothers. And here's what I want you to hear that we recognize as the body of Christ. You have twice the responsibility. You have double the distraction, if you will. Again, not distraction in a negative way, 
but you have a burden to nurture and to raise your children for the glory and honor of God. And here's what I want you to hear me say today. If that's you, you are not alone. One of the things that the gospel has done in redeeming us and restoring is God has given us the body of Christ. He's given us the church. He's saved you by the power of his gospel. He's brought you into connection in this fellowship. And hear me, this fellowship longs to walk with you as a single parent and encourage you and love you and pick you up because that is the calling of God on our life as a church. So I recognize some of this does not apply specifically in the situation of brokenness that you find yourself in. But listen to me, Jesus, through the power of the gospel and his church, can restore and redeem and create something beautiful out of the situation that you're in. So we want to walk with you. And one of the ways that we want to walk with you and help you navigate this is that we began a class this week, this week on Monday evenings, I want you to see it called single and parenting. It meets from 6.30 to 8.30 every Monday evening, and we have child care that's provided through this class, some gifted, godly, gracious people leading in this ministry. If you find yourself in this season, we desire to walk along with you. Amen, church? Amen. All right. Time back in. All right. So singleness is desirable. Here's number two. Singleness is a gift. It's a gift. Again, a little bit countercultural. We don't necessarily think of it often as a gift. As a matter of fact, culture often sees it just the opposite, not as a gift, but as a curse. But the reality is Paul uses the word gift. And he says, for some of us, this season of singleness is a gift for a limited time. It means that some of you are right now in a season of singleness, but you won't always be single. You'll be married at some point. So your responsibility right now is to recognize that and steward this season of life with no regrets. You're to steward it from an eternal perspective, which means to ask questions like, what better ways can you leverage your singleness for the glory and honor of God? What are some better ways you can steward this gift? Are there any distractions that I've self-inflicted into my life that need to be removed so that I can solely pursue Jesus and his mission? So for some of you that are single, this is a, a limited season in your life. But Paul says for some, this gift is not for a limited time. But for some, Paul says this gift is for a lifetime. Let's read it. Look back at verse number 7. Yet I wish that all people were even as I myself am. However, each man, each person has his own gift from God. One in this manner. Some are gifted in this way. Others in a different way. What's he talking about? The word gift that Paul uses here is not the normal word in the New Testament for gift. It's a word that exclusively refers to spiritual gifting. It's the same word that's used in Romans 12 and in other places in 1 Corinthians to talk about a grace gift that is a supernatural enablement of the Holy Spirit of God given to a believer at the moment 
of salvation. There are a lot of spiritual gifts, teaching, leadership, hospitality, the Bible talks about. But here Paul adds to the list that there are some people who have been supernaturally grace gifted by God to remain single for the purpose of pursuing Christ and joining in his mission. Many of you have heard me tell the story of me being mentored by a man named Clyde Cranford. You've heard me quote him, talk about him publicly as I've preached here over these 16 years. Clyde, one of the things I've never shared with you about Clyde is that Clyde had embraced the spiritual gifting of singleness. He lived his entire life single. And he felt a calling and a gifting from God to pursue singleness. And because of that, it allowed him undistracted devotion in intimacy with God. As a matter of fact, Clyde walked so closely in intimacy with God, he died as a young man. He died at 45. Clyde went home to be with the Lord. Here's the way they found him. They found him sitting in his living room with his Bible and his journal sitting in his lap. One minute he's spending time with the Lord. The next minute he's face to face with the Lord. He just walked in intimacy with God. He did it in community with others and on mission. Clyde gave his life to discipling men in ministry. He was always discipling between 20 and 30 people per week. He would meet with 20 to 30 people for an hour to two hours. So you do the math. Somewhere between 30 and 60 hours a week, he devoted to one-on-one pouring into the lives of others. So much so that when Clyde died, they had his funeral. At Clyde's funeral, I didn't get to go back. We just launched the church. Didn't have the resources to travel. But at Clyde's funeral, they asked the question, if you're here and you've been discipled personally by Clyde, would you please stand? And two or 300 people stood up. And they said, if you've been discipled by one of these people that Clyde has disciple would you stand and over 2,000 people in the service stood up all these lives that had been changed because he embraced this spiritual gifting of singleness and leveraged it for the glory and honor of God and I'll just be real transparent I would not be in Las Vegas today had it not been for Clyde Cranford investing in my life having embraced that season of singleness and leveraged it fully for the glory and honor of God so for some It's a spiritual, supernatural enabling. So let me answer two questions that I know some of you are thinking. Number one, how do I know if I have this gift? Well, if you're worried about it, you don't have it, all right? (laughs) And here's what I mean by that. When the Holy Spirit of God speaks and gifts, there's a peace that accompanies his voice. When I said a moment ago that some of you are called to singleness for a lifetime, in some of you it raised immediate panic because you thought, no, not me. But there are others of you in the room. As soon as I said it, For the first time maybe in your Christian life, you sensed a peace from God that even though society and often even the church has tried to force a different season of life onto you, you've recognized from the Holy Spirit of God a calling and a grace gifting and an enabling 
to leverage your life for the glory of God as a single adult, and you've embraced that, but you've always thought something must be broken for me to feel this way, I want you to know something. Something is not broken. You have a supernatural enablement of the Holy Spirit of God, and I want to breathe life into you today to leverage that for the glory and honor of God. Here's the good news. Whether you think you have it or don't have it, you don't have to give any attention to escaping singleness. All you need to focus on is living a life of undistracted devotion, and he will show you what is next. Here's another question. If I embrace this gift of singleness, won't I miss out on so much that marriage and children bring into one's life? Here's another quote by John Piper about singleness. Look what he said. God promises you blessings to singles. God promises you blessings in the age to come that are better than the blessings of marriage and children. I got to be honest. When I first read that, I thought, how could he say that? And then I remembered the story where Peter was with Jesus. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, we've left everything. We've given up so much to follow you. And Jesus looked at him and here's what he said. Truly, I say to you. There is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. The biblical principle is if God calls you to a life of singleness that lives with reckless abandon towards pursuing Christ and his mission, here's the promise of God. There is something waiting for you in heaven that is going to blow your mind. Many times as much in the age to come. So don't live for today live for eternity. Here's the last one. I'm done. We're going to mention this one quickly. Singleness is not easy. (laughs) Finally, something that I can relate to, singleness is not easy. It's true for many reasons. We won't articulate them all today. But one of them is the brokenness of our world sexually. And today the enemy is running rampant, trying to destroy the lives of singles. And here's why. He knows the opportunity that is afforded to you in this season. And he would love to thwart that, to thwart what God is trying to do to leverage your singleness for the glory and honor of God. So the enemy is at work to distract and to destroy. And let me give you one example. Look at verse 9. We skipped over it a moment ago, but look at verse 9 in 1 Corinthians 7. We'll put it on the screen. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry. 
For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. That phrase, burn with passion, literally in the Greek language, it's just the phrase to, to be burning. It describes something happening to them. And it's the same word that's used in Ephesians chapter 6. Let me show it to you. Ephesians 6 verse 11. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. It means that we have an enemy who is actively planning to destroy. Whether you're married or single, there's an enemy who's trying to destroy your testimony and bring destruction to your life and distract you from leveraging your life for the sake of the kingdom of God. Look what it says. In addition, take up the shield of faith. Which, with which you will be able to extinguish all the, say this word out loud, flaming. It's the same word for burning in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The flaming arrows, here's the point. We have an enemy who is forcibly throwing into our lives fiery missiles to destroy us. And oftentimes, as singles, one of the reasons it's not easy is because of this reality. There's an enemy who is tempting, who is wooing, and who is attacking all the time. And here's the mistake often singles make. They think that, that escaping singleness in marriage is the answer. That if I could just somehow get married, it would be the end of loneliness. It would be the end of unfulfilled desire. It would be the end of temptation. But hear me, marriage is not the answer. Let me prove it to you. 27 years of ministry, I have counseled more married people than singles who are struggling with loneliness, lack of fulfillment, and temptation sexually. I'm just telling you the truth. 27 years, my calendar's never been filled with singles that are struggling, but my calendar often is filled with married couples. Marriage is not the answer. But listen, Jesus is the answer. The answer is in Christ. And we know that because in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. What's the next one? Self-control. This thing that Paul's talking about is a work of the life of Christ in us through the enablement and power of the Holy Spirit of God. So the answer to dealing with the struggle of singleness, the answer to dealing with the temptation of singleness is not marriage. It's the same answer married people have. The answer is Jesus. It's being more consumed with the life of Christ so that Jesus can manifest his life in and through me. So let me close by just giving you some rapid-fire encouraging truths as you live in this difficult season of singleness. Number one, you are fiercely loved. You're fiercely loved. One of the lies of the enemy to single people that he used to weigh on you is that no one loves you. That couldn't be further from the truth. Listen to what God said about you. I, God, have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. You are fiercely loved by the Father. Number two, you can be content. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that you can't be. Paul said, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Why? Because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This doesn't mean there won't be a desire to be married. It simply means that Jesus is enough. Number three, 
If you are living a life of undistracted devotion, you are right where God wants you to be. Sometimes as single people, you can begin to think, I've missed out on something that God... No, if you're living a life of undistracted devotion, you're right where God wants you to be. Look what Tony Evans said. If you are single, your singleness is not just where you happen to be right now. It's where God has you right now. And there's a world of difference in those two outlooks. You don't need to find the right one. You need to connect with the one who knows where the right one is. And here's the last thing. You're not alone. We are the body of Christ. And get this. You need us. And we need you. There are things that singles can speak into the lives of those that aren't single and those that are. God will use you to speak into our lives. And God's going to use us to speak into your. We need each other. You are not by your So here's the the big idea of the day. I'll give it to you in closing instead of an opening. The greatest joy of singleness is not to escape singleness. The greatest joy of singleness is the opportunity to solely pursue Jesus and his mission. Let's pray together today. Father, we come before you right now and we ask you in the name of Jesus to take these truths and bring application to our lives. Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak right now. In the stillness of this moment as you sit before the Lord, we're going to close our service a little bit differently today. We're not going to stand and sing like we normally do at the end of a service, but we do have some pastors that are going to be down here at the front. If you want to pray with a pastor while I'm leading this time, you can come pray with one of these pastors. Or if you don't know Jesus... We'd invite you to come to one of these pastors right now and just say, hey, I need Jesus. And we'll have somebody sit down and open a Bible and show you how you can begin a relationship with God. But we're going to close today a little differently. We're going to close in a spirit of prayer. We're just going to pray together. And I want to guide you as we pray. First of all, if you're here and you are not single, you are married, I want you to begin to pray for all the singles in our church. Maybe you know some by name that you're relationally connected to. I want all the married couples right now, you just begin to pray for the singles in our fellowship. Pray some of these biblical principles over their life. And while they're doing that, I want to talk to all the singles in the room. And I want you to pray. And as you pray, I want to let you process a couple of questions. First of all, Are you making the most of this season? Are you leveraging your singleness to solely pursue Christ and his mission? Are you content? You know what contentment boils down to at its root? Contentment is really about do you trust that God knows who you are and where you are? And he has what's best for you on his heart.
Are there any distractions that have been self-inflicted, distractions that you've allowed into your life that you need to let the Holy Spirit of God have right now? Anything that you need to yield to Him? Anything in your devotional intimacy with God? Anything in your connection and community with brothers and sisters in Christ? Anything in your leveraging your life for the mission? Here's what I want to invite you to do. As you just sit there in that spirit of prayer, I want you to feel the freedom right now to just whatever he's spoken to you, just surrender it to him. Listen, he knows what's best. He's in control of your life. He's he's sovereign. He loves you. Trust him. Just yield it to him right now. God, we pray all these things today for your name's sake and for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we say, all of us say together, amen.